Hey, heroes. Welcome to On Scene First. I'm your host, Tracy Eldridge. With over 25 years in public safety, I am wicked excited and honored to bring you entertaining, educational, and empowering conversations with public safety difference makers. Those folks are the ones that are harnessing the power of -of out-of-the-box thinking when it comes to the latest and greatest must-have technology tools, a people-first leadership approach, and mental health resources to save lives on both sides of the call. Before we get started, I want to say a huge thank you to our premier sponsor, NGA, Next Generation Advanced. With reliable cloud-based end-to-end NG91 solutions, I am wicked confident that they can fulfill your needs when it comes to next-gen core services, call handling, data analytics, and much more. Oh, and did I mention it's affordable and customizable? Make sure you visit our friends at www.nga911.com and tell them Tracy sent you. Now, on with the show. I am wicked excited for my guest today, A.K. Dozanti, and I, I... I don't know. I'm just, I'm super excited to have this conversation because like me, she has a huge heart and passion for mental health and wellness in the public safety and military space. AK, how are you today? I am great. How are you? Good, good. So thank you for responding uh, to the crazy lady on TikTok that saw one of your TikToks and just messaged you and said, Hey, uh, I want to, I want you to be on my podcast. You must get that often. Do you? Uh, you know, it's funny. I had a wave of podcasts a few months ago, and then I just said a few weeks ago, I said, you know what? I need to get on more podcasts. And no kidding, within maybe a week's time, I had about six people reach out to me. And so I thought, I really need to be careful about what I'm thinking because yeah. this stuff just comes to fruition. So no, I'm I'm thrilled that you reached out. I love that. So um, I, if you, you know, one of the things that, so I've, I've just started getting active on TikTok. So if you're one of my followers and you're not on TikTok, go ahead and find me at On Scene First. Um, and then we'll talk about AK's contact information as well. But what I've noticed is you could tell a lot about a person. If you say, give me your phone and let me see your TikTok account right? Because the algorithm will totally show the world who you really are and what your interests are. Did you know, do you notice that? That is hilarious. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. Right. So my daughter, I'm like, give your TikTok. And she's like, no. And I look at it. She's 19 years old. She's a welder. She's a firefighter. And it's full of big trucks and like all kinds of random stuff, stuff I would have, I would have never expected, but So I stumble upon your TikTok, you're speaking to me, you're speaking to so many folks. And that's what I love about TikTok is that we can, we can create a message of of positivity and hope for folks that don't feel like there is hope. So let's go back in time. Let's go back to the place where AK was a younger version of herself. And she decides that she's going to start her career in law enforcement. So tell us a little bit about you know, the role that you played in law enforcement and and how you got to that place. And then we'll move forward. So it's interesting. I always kind of say that it chose me. Um, I don't know that I ever really made the decision. It just kind of happened. Um, I, I had moved a couple hours away after I graduated high school to go to college. And 
by the time I was 19, I had finally decided that my major would be criminal justice. And I was given the opportunity to go shadow some folks that were doing undercover online investigations. Immediately, I was hooked. Wow. And so I actually started, um, I got on as an auxiliary with them at just 19 years old and started doing these undercover online investigations. And it was, you know, Chris Hansen style, but (laughs) Um, you know, not on TV, obviously, but it was really interesting because as a young female, I actually brought a lot to the table Um, as a young female that didn't know anything about the industry and and investigations and all the things. And so I was just a sponge. And at 20, I decided to go to the police academy because I figured how else am I going to get to do this? Right. So, um, I did that. And then I got on as a special deputy with our sheriff's office. And the contingency was we will hire you, but get your degree first. So Saturday, I walked across the stage, grabbed my degree. And by Monday, I was in uniform working um, for the sheriff's office. Love so it. Love um, it. I was I was a baby when I started. <laughs> and uh, I went through several years, the bulk of my career was on road patrol, but I did court security, prisoner transports, uh, marine patrol, I didn't know it at the time, but I came into the job with some unresolved traumas. And of course, the nature of the job being in a trauma rich environment, it all accumulated. And, so, and a lot. And and I think a lot of us don't even realize that we come into this type of job with with past trauma. Yes. And, and it's actually very, very common. Um, it's usually not a coincidence that we choose a job like yep. these jobs in public safety, um, because not to jump into the deep end early, but our nervous systems are dysregulated. Oh, and yeah. so we seek that out. Um, so in 2015, um, I was awarded officer of the year and that was in February for the, the 2014 year. And then by September, I was 1000% burned out. I was crispy. I decided to leave full-time law enforcement Tried to stay on as a special here and there, um, special deputy or auxiliary. And I started my, I guess, second career as a criminal court victim advocate. And I did that for about five years. And during that time, I was able to go back and get my master's in criminology and victimology, which is essentially trauma. And I also became a yoga instructor. And that was that started as a journey of, of self healing and growth from my PTS and my depression and my adrenal fatigue even. Yeah. So I'm just curious, really, really important question. How many hours do you have in Mm -hmm. your day? Because there's only 25 of mine. I mean, 24 of mine, (laughs) there's only 24 in mine. And, and it sounds like you were doing a lot and a lot of times, but that's what we do. That that's a trauma response too, right? Bingo. That was a trauma response because not only was I doing all of that and that yoga teacher training was 10 months, I was planning a wedding. Oh my goodness. I mean, it was, I just, everything was in it. I was in a tailspin, but that is a trauma response. Yes. And so of course, just going through the yoga teacher training for my own benefit wasn't enough. I had to become a yoga teacher. And so I did that. And then of course, all the, the little subcategories, I became, you know, meditation specialist and uh, I actually became a Reiki master as well. And I mean, I really kind of dove in. I ended up leaving that job in 2020 and took some time off. I had a little a toddler and, um, you know, pandemic. And I just, I, I needed space to, to clear my mind and get that mental clarity. And I am so glad I did because um, within just a few months, it, it hit me because I felt like I had no direction. It hit me that I needed to take 
all these little pieces and put them together because they yeah. seemed very disjointed. Um, but I was able to weave them all together with a bunch of other things that I've explored over the years and funnel them back to the people that are out there saving lives. My favorite people, my lifesavers. Right. And so um, that's what I did. Wow. So I'm listening as, as I'm hearing like parallel stories. So my listeners, they know, they know my story and, you know, leaving, leaving the job that I loved, like I truly loved the job and I, and I was kind of forced out of it. But over time, I truly feel that, you know, I, I had posted a TikTok recently. Uh, no, actually it was a, so it was a Facebook post uh, where I, I was talking about PTSD awareness month. And I explained that, you know, I'm not thankful that I had the things done to me that happened to me. A lot of folks will say, you know, oh, I'm so glad that happened because it made me who I am today. And I was like, no, those things didn't make me who I am. I made me who I am. My resiliency, my determination, my fight to stay here every day. I'm the one who did it, but I did it because of those things. So there really is a difference, right? So I hope that folks, you know, don't take what I'm saying the wrong way is that, Yes, our stories are already written. We try to steal the pen. And I think in both of our situations, we were destined to be exactly where we are, doing exactly what we're doing. And so with that, what you're doing today is, what's the name of your company? Yeah, so I created Lifesaver Wellness for those out there saving lives. I developed this framework um, from everything that I know. I wove it all together. And from that framework, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I'm actually developing a, a like an entry level to that that would be like a self-paced program. So that'll be out very soon. And then I also do agency trainings where I go to fire departments, police departments, and I teach them about their own personal wellness. I teach them what's going on in your body with your chronic stress and how to how to mitigate the effects of working in a trauma-rich environment and understanding the byproduct of the job. It's not the job. It's right. how we receive the byproducts of the job. And so making that distinction allows them to kind of separate from it a little bit and see things clearly so that they can kind of start to enjoy the job again. Yeah. Um, and so I, I go into agencies and, and do these trainings and um, I've been fortunate. I worked very hard to get my uh, curriculum approved by the Ohio Peace Officer Training Commission. So now my training is actually, uh, it goes, it fulfills four hours of continuing education for law enforcement. That's amazing. And uh, so I've, I've been working very, very hard for, to, you know, to make all of this happen. But um, yeah, so coaching and agency trainings, and uh, I'm just, I'm in love with the job and the life that I have right now. Yeah, same. And somebody asked me the other day, they're like, oh, how is your business going? I'm like, amazing. I've never been so connected to the mission that what I'm doing today, when somebody asked me not that long ago, so what do you, what do you actually do in, in your, I'm like, whatever I want. Like truly whatever, whatever it is that I want. Can you come here and do this? Yes. Can you build this? Yes. Can you do this? And for us, I feel like we're very similar in a lot of ways that we have to have that people driven skill to, to give back to people. 
Uh, I do a lot with the DISC human behavior model, and I'm certified in that and teaching folks about the human behavior model to understand. And we touched on this before we started recording, you know, that there are there are there are heart driven folks and then there's, you know, then there's task driven folks. And I truly believe in supporting anybody that is a heart-driven, people-driven company that is going to give back to the folks that give so much of themselves. And you touch base on you being in a position when you first started, you're a young female, you, you brought a lot to the table, you brought a perspective to them that they may not have had otherwise, right? And you're doing that same exact thing now, just in a very different way. And I think that's really important to talk about. And here's why I want to talk about it. There's a lot of folks that are listening to us right now, whether it's police, fire, EMS, dispatch, military, nursing, and they want to leave the career that they love because they don't feel like they're bringing value anymore. They don't feel like Mm. they belong there anymore. They feel like they're disconnected and burnt out. And you said something very important. Can you talk more about because I do the same thing. I don't want to, I don't want to give you the, I don't want to give you the courage to, to leave. I want to help you build the tools so you can stay. Can you talk more about that, please? Yeah. I, I don't encourage, um, doing what I did because I didn't have the tools then that I have now. And that's why my mission is to help people beat the burnout. Um, I don't want you to burn out. I want you to enjoy the career that you loved and remember why you love it so much. What the the goal there really is, is to really get back to yourself and who you are. Because what happens is over time, we take on the identity of the job. And it that is also a byproduct of trauma because in trauma, the essence of trauma, and I think Bessel van der Kock said this in uh, The Body Keeps the Score. The essence of trauma is the loss of identity. And so we take on the identity of the job. But what happens is then we just completely lose ourselves. So in my framework, I actually, the very first step is to reconnect with who you are. It's to connect and then offload and and decide what, what of that internal residue and debris that you've picked up along the way, what of that can you shake off? What of that can we offload immediately? And then what of it, what's the other stuff that's sticking to you that we really need to work through? So those are always the first two things because those, the biggest complaints I get is I'm completely overwhelmed and I'm operating at max capacity and I'm totally disconnected and they're disconnected because they've lost that identity. And so it's we're we're looking in the wrong direction when we're trying to prevent burnout. It's it's not the job, it's how we receive it. And it's the culture that we've created. Mm-hmm. You know, we have we have the gas, we have the the culture that glorifies chronic stress. And then we have the break, which is the other side of the same culture saying, nope, we're not gonna deal with this stuff. We have to avoid and mask and dissociate. And we're just spinning our wheels. And so we have to stop glorifying chronic stress. We have to stop avoiding the underlying issues and then put the car in park. Yeah. And and like you said, that glorification of, oh my God, I only had 10 hours sleep this week. And, you know, folks being excited and wearing that like a badge of honor. And it's like, no, that, no, that's, that's not something you should be proud about. First of all, second of all, you go to work and you make a mistake because you've only had four hours of sleep. And then you're spouting it from the rooftops that you've only had four hours of sleep. You're setting yourself up to get in trouble, Mm -hmm. to, to be the result of, of potentially somebody else 
losing their life. One of the things that I, I share in, in many of my classes is for so long, and, and I don't know if you've heard this, if this was something prominent in law enforcement, but as a baby dispatcher, one of the first things I heard was, okay, you have to leave your problems at the door. You can't bring them in here. And I'm changing that message. I have a slide that actually shows the sentence, leave your problems at the door with a big red circle, you know, with the line through it. We, we have to stop telling folks that because I think that stigma, right, of I, I have a lot going on outside, but I have to shed all that and I have to walk through the door. That's not healthy for folks either. Would you would you agree to that? Yeah. And, and I would echo that, you know, when I was in the academy in 08, they said, you're going to see some stuff. Just compartmentalize. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like right. we are, I am one whole human and I get one whole human experience. Wh- where's this box that I'm supposed to throw all this stuff in? Do I just shove right. it in my left arm and that's, that's it. Um, right. And so I, I think that there's a positive to that. You know, when you're, when you're on a shift, being able to really focus in on the job and not let some other stuff bother you, you know, for, for law enforcement and, and fire and, you know, and, and even dispatch, it could save your life or somebody else's, but it, it's not a lifestyle. It's right. not a long-term operating system because that box that you put it in is going to fill up and it's going to leak out. Oh yeah. And you have to be able to, you know, my thing was people say, and a lot of it because law enforcement is predominantly a male career. And so they would say, you know, don't take this stuff home. Your wife can't handle it, that kind of a thing. So my question is, is where do you deal with it? Right. You where where deal do you, with where it at you work. put it? Right. Right. You can't deal with it at work. And if you're not allowed to take it home, you're going to implode. Oh, I know. You can take it to the bar. You can take it to the streets. Oh. You can take it. You, you can take That's it to all right. these other places, right? <laughs> you can take it to the end of a bottle or a bottle of pills or, you know, yeah. infidelity. And you can you take it to all those places, but we don't want that. We want right. folks to find that healthy balance. And I think it's great that you're giving folks that tool. And, you, you know, you talked about compartmentalize and putting things in a compartment and, and just stuffing it down. Right. And as you're saying this, I'm just visualizing this shape of a human body and just all of the pieces filling up this, this human body. And at some point it's going to come out. And the irony of that is, as you're saying that I'm thinking about the TikTok that you did that I saw this morning uh, that I do want to talk to you about, because we both had two different perspectives on the topic that you brought up. So I'm going to let you first share your perspective and why you shared this particular story. And then I'm going to share, you know, the equivalent to, to what I felt as you started to tell that story. So you talked about a bamboo shoot. So you get on TikTok, you start to talk about a bamboo shoot. I'm like, where's she going with this? And then it, it just blew my mind. Can you share that story with my listeners, please? Absolutely. Yeah. And I even prefaced it. I said, okay, but you've got to stick with me. So yeah, you totally um, did. Now that you say, now that you say that, you totally did. Because I know people were going to be like, what on earth is this girl talking about? Um, But in that, actually, I I give all credit for this analogy to um, the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he talks about, and and what, what my TikTok was about, as I was saying, bamboo after it's planted will grow for five years before you can even see it. And in this five years, it is developing these widespread, very strong, intricate root systems. And 
doesn't even break ground for five whole years. But then once it actually breaks ground, it only takes six weeks for it to shoot up to 90 feet tall. That's crazy. And so my, my sentiment along with that was anybody who's in this um, space that's advocating for mental and emotional wellness for first responders and military, I, I want you to, to consider that and know that all of this work that we're doing is being stored and compounded and building energy. And when it finally breaks loose and it finally breaks ground, it's going to hit and it's going to hit really big. And I think we're going to have this quantum ripple effect when it finally clicks for everybody. And so my purpose for saying all that was, you know, keep, you know, stay the path, don't get discouraged, right. Don't get discouraged. And then, you know, when you shared your version, I, (laughs) that was also mind blowing. Cause I'm like, wow, one simple analogy can, can have so many different perspectives. So yeah, that was very interesting. So as you were telling the story and you said, stick with me in my mind, I'm envisioning, I'm envisioning, you know, how I'm feeling as you're telling this story about how you're growing under the surface, there's experience taking place under the surface. And I thought you were telling my story of PTSD because when I hit my breaking point, when, when the bandaid or when I broke through the surface and using that analogy, when I broke through the surface, everything came out at light speed. So for years and years and years, everything was building under the surface. And then there was this moment that many know with, with a, a previous boss where the bandaid got ripped off and that's when it poked through. And in that, you know, six weeks, what it felt like was all of a sudden it shot up and it just came out very quickly. And I didn't even know what end was up at that point. So that, that one analogy does have two perspectives as far as far as I'm concerned. And what I'm hoping that these conversations are doing is getting folks to look inside themselves, number one, and say, hey, is there something wrong? Is there is there something that's not going the way that it used to? I know I'll never be the same person that I used to be, but I do love the person that I am today. She's very different. I walked into one of the facilities two nights ago to honor my daughter for uh, you know finishing the fire academy and being put onto the fire department. And I had to walk into one of the buildings where I experienced a lot of that trauma. And I was able to do that because of EMDR treatment, eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. If I didn't have that treatment, I would have never stepped foot in that building. And I would have had to look my kid in the face and be like, you know, I'm proud of you. And I'm super happy. And and I want to be there, but you know that I can't walk in there because I avoided that building for years because of the behavior of other people and how they had treated me and the hurt that I had carried there. So to be able to put the tools in place to be able to make a shift in mindset is amazing. What type of tools are you encouraging folks to use in the framework and the work that you're doing that can help them get to a place where they too can walk into the building or they can pass the place on the street that they're holding on to some of that Velcro mess? Yeah. So a lot of them stem from my work as a yoga teacher and a lot of them are self-regulating tools, being able to do some very deep, mindful breathing, regulating the nervous system and bringing yourself to a place where you feel grounded and you feel safe in your own body. Um, and, And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when trauma happens, it doesn't happen to you. It happens within you. 
as a byproduct of what happens to you. So a lot of breath work, a lot of, well, not a lot, but some meditation um, to really kind of retrain, rewire the brain. And I have, um, I actually have an app that for my students and clients, they can you know, in their pocket have dozens of affirmations and meditations and, and breathing exercises to be able to regulate at any time. And so I also use affirmations um, to kind of help switch that mindset because our brains operate off of confirmation bias, meaning that our brains like we tell our brain what is important. And so we kind of create this magnet and our brains will seek out things in our daily life to validate our experience and validate the things that we tell it is important. So we have to sometimes change our core beliefs and change that magnet to start seeing things in a different way. And so repeating affirmations can really be very impactful with that. And it's a little bit goofy at first. I mean, I have had some clients that are like, I don't, but I don't believe these things. And I'm like, that's right. the point. Exactly. You will. <laughs> we're, we're gonna, right. You're, we're gonna get you there. A, a lot of essentially mindfulness. Um, and, and some, some of the stuff I have on the app is, is like mobility stuff because trauma and chronic stress is all stored in the body. So we have to really be able to kind of work it out of the body first. Um, so it's really a bottom-up approach, you know, body first. And then, and then we work up through the, you know, brainstem limbic system into the prefrontal cortex and, you know, not to get too technical, but <laughs> that's the goal, right? Yeah. Well, and I think, so when I talk about EMDR, when I first heard about EMDR, uh, I, I thought, uh, Jim Marshall from the Nyuan Training Institute. He was the one that introduced it to me in a class that I took. And I thought he was crazy. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but it sounds like magic juju. And <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. And it was about two years later uh, where I was at the end of my rope. And I'm like, all right, somebody mentioned this tool and I dug in and I found it. And I found a therapist that did it and it gave me my life back. It, tr it truly gave me my emotions back. It allowed me to settle. It was for me what you're doing. I have severe ADHD. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't even think I can sit still for five minutes, let alone meditate. But I know you're probably going to share some enlightenment on that is to if somebody doesn't feel like that they can just sit still and be mindful and be present in the moment without fear, panic and anxiety. How do you explain that to them that that this could work for them if they could just shift their mindset and be open to it? Well, it's more of rather than shifting their mindset, it's more of working towards getting their body regulated because that is, there is actually a thing called relaxation induced anxiety. And, you know, any, I, have for that. That, I didn't know that was a thing. I cannot relax. I cannot sit still. It's, if if I have an hour, I have to fill it with something. Well, and, and it's, it's very much so, um, the sense or feeling that, you know, the second you almost force your body to relax, you think something awful is going to happen right. because it's like, okay, if I let my guard down for two seconds, somebody's going to come busting through this door. And, you know, is that rooted in reality? No, but it's your nervous system's response to the trauma and the things that you have collected along the way. So 
it's really a matter of working up to that. So getting somebody to feel safe in their body. So I, I do some other techniques, some bilateral stimulation things. Um, there's butterfly tapping where you cross your arms over and you tap your um, opposite arm and breathe. There's in the emotional freedom technique or EFT, which is tapping. Um, so you can tap certain meridian points on your body and kind of release some pent up chronic stress and trauma that way. It's getting your nervous system conditioned and primed in a different way because not everybody can just sit down and, and, and especially first responders, it's difficult to just sit down and meditate for 15 minutes. Um, so a lot of my meditations are shorter. I have some mini like mini meditations and things like that to where they can just grab it. And, you know, if, if you got to go to the, if you come back from a crazy call and you know, you have to write a report, go to the bathroom and play this mini meditation and, and kind of reset your nervous system so that you can focus. So it, it's a matter of building up to it and more so priming your nervous system rather than changing the mindset. And, and I love that. Thank you for, for explaining that you know, I'm still in this learning process of just so many different things that I'm all about putting new tools in the toolbox. I had a conversation with a friend of mine last night that was struggling. And if she's listening, I hope that she's listening to the conversation that we're having because in her mindset, the tools that she's been given are not working right now. And I'm trying to encourage her to find other tools. There are times that EMDR will work for me. And then there are times that I can't get to EMDR. If I'm traveling and I have an experience that puts me in a fearful place, I have to have other tools. I have other things in place that allow me to be able to disconnect from the moment and, and to, to feel safe, and whether it's calling my husband and him reminding me, whether it's, and I know this is going to sound weird, but texting other people. So for me, when I'm in a crisis mode, I will reach out to other people and I will send them a message on social media. Hi, just checking in or get you send them like a funny meme or, you know, just something you're amazing. Don't forget that. And, and that's part of my coping mechanism because what that does is it gets me out of the mindset that I'm in. And then when I get a response back from them, that's a good response that fills me up and it's no like technique or anything. It's just something that I realized that when I'm stressed or anxious, that's a way that I can get my brain to settle down is to communicate to other people and make them feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Healthy connection. And I think that that's something that, you know, when we're really struggling, we are afraid that somebody will see that struggle underneath. And so we isolate and which just snowballs the situation, yeah. but having that healthy connection is so important because we are wired to be tribal beings. We are wired to need other people as much as we want to be independent and do it all <laughs> on our own, uh, that's that's not how we are designed. And right. so having that tribe or, you know, people where you can just kind of like send out a tether and feel some kind of connection can really make you, you know, feel safer. Absolutely. I, I'm super excited to hear that you know, there are just different and I'm learning new stuff every day. That's that's what's the crazy part. So I have a lot of folks that are reaching out to me on a regular basis about needing to get out, that they are burnt. They're saying the words I'm burnt or they'll say to me, they'll send a message and they'll be like, when do I know it's time to leave? And I'm like, yeah, usually when you ask that question, it's usually 
like if you're looking for a sign, like that's the sign that that's actually the sign when you're when you're looking for the sign, that's the sign. How can we get better as as a profession in public safety and first responders and lifesavers? How do we get better at not encouraging folks to leave and and tell them that there is hope to be able to settle and stay? Have you I mean, obviously, you've had the experience with folks that have have changed, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I've had some clients come to me and they come to me and say, I'm trying this. And if it doesn't work, I'm done. And I'm like, yeah. wow, no pressure. Um, yeah. <laughs> just Thanks. your entire life's career. And that's got it. it. But- All in my hands. I'm good. Thank you for right. that. But I've had some, um, I've been fortunate enough to have some clients who had already, had recently re- retired or already retired. And um, so I had some insight to what kind of happens when you do leave. And what I find is that what you're experiencing inside doesn't really change. Um, And so my, my goal, you know, especially with, you know, to beat the burnout is to, to get people to realize that the job is only half the problem. And so we have to look inward. We spend all this time looking outward at what everybody else is doing. And especially with social media, Amen, girl. Um, Because that puts the focus on everybody else. And it's like, put down the phone and look in a mirror. Yeah. And I don't mean that. I mean, that sounded, I was kind of like my mom voice, but, um, you know, (laughs) but really we have to look inside ourselves and and realize how am I receiving this stuff? Am I receiving this? Am I taking offense to this because it was intended that way? Or am I taking offense to this because of a past traumatic experience that, and this is a trigger. So being able to do the internal work while you're still on the job can, can change the way you see things. It changes the perspective and it changes the way you receive things or choose not to receive them. Um, That's another big one. I actually, I'll tell you one of the, one of my secret little tools. So my secret little tool is, um, you know, if if something toxic is coming in your direction, instead of allowing it to kind of hit you and and make it so that it sticks to you and then you have to carry it. I I use this little tool and and I'll tell you what it's called after I tell you, or after I explain it, but imagine a, a basket or a bucket or something in between you and that person or the situation and imagine all of their words or, or this, the details going into that vessel and not coming on to you so that you can see it clearly. You can talk about it. You can deal with it. And then when you're done with it, you don't, you don't have to carry it with you. You can just put it on a shelf. And I just imagine the name. I just imagine the name of this. And I think we're going to be on the same page. Keep going. So I used to call it my basket trick. And one of my clients, um, God love him. He's a chief of police. He said, so it's a fuck it bucket. Yep. And I was exactly where my brain was going. Yes, it is. And so um, my point is we don't have to receive everything. Not everything is deserving of our time and energy. And so we can put it in our fuck it bucket and keep going. Yeah. Um, and then you dump it out, right? Yeah. You don't carry the bucket with you. I think that's the key right there is that we've been programmed to constantly look for these things that happen or pieces of it. We have to start following through, right? So you you can have the bucket, you just have to empty the bucket because when you don't empty the bucket, then it's going to come back and screw you right. in a different way. And it, 
and I've had some clients say, well, I'm going to need a bigger bucket. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're missing the point. You got to dump it out, (laughs) dump it out. If you have to dump it out five times in one conversation, then do that. But in little things like that, and that's an actual brain trick because it gets you out of your survival brain and into your prefrontal cortex because you're using your imagination and it kind of makes you chuckle. So it lightens the moment. So one of the things that I talk about with the DISC human behavior model, when I learned about this model, I learned there's four very distinct people, right? So there's either, you're either outgoing or reserved and you're either people or task oriented. And when I learned about it, my coach Gord, that has been my coach now for almost four years, he started in one of the classes, one of his first slides when we started talking about this was people don't do things to you. They do them for themselves sometimes you just get in the way. And when he said that, I didn't even know the rest of it. I didn't even care. I just knew that that moment, everything shifted for me and I had to sit up and pay attention. And now I'll just give you an example. One of my triggers is people saying to me that I talk too much. Yes, I talk too much. I'm an outgoing people person. I like to connect with people. It's who I am in my DNA. Asking me not to connect with people is like asking a reserved task person to hug a stranger that's crying in the park. They're not going to do that, right? So you have those folks that that are huggers and they're not huggers and they're each full in their conviction, right? So when I, one of my triggers is, yes, I goof on myself about talking too much, but look at me, here I am with a podcast, right? You, ha- you have to talk to have a podcast. You have to talk to be a keynote speaker. You have to talk to be an educator and a trainer. So, you know, I look back on all those little kids that were told as a kid, you talk too much and it's like, all right, well, you were setting me up for success, not failure. But for whatever reason, those words, when somebody cuts me off and says, okay, 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 or, you know, does the hand motion like hurry up or looks at their watch or somebody else makes fun of me for talking too much. It turns into words that what I have to say isn't valuable. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to understand that there are folks like a very high D style in the disc human behavior model, they don't like a lot of details. So when you said, put down the phone and put up the mirror, when I did my hard work with that, it was first internal, as you said, with your yoga, right? I did the same thing is the disc human behavior model for me was first the tool to, to help me. But then it was like, wait a minute, this, if this helped me to this level, it can help everybody. So now I'm going to get the highest level of certification so I can bring it back to everybody. But you were just explaining that, right? That you have to, you have to look inside. You have to figure out what's going on inside and not take everything so personally. And I think that bucket technique is, is perfect for that. Like just, just put it in the fucking bucket because then you can just get well, rid of it. It's not it's not yours to carry. When people are mean, it that's theirs, right? The the old saying, hurting people hurt people. Yeah. So they got to yeah, look inside precisely. themselves too, right? Yeah. And I think that that's the only way to, you know, the only way to be objective and see things very clearly and move toward the truth is just to be very honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Why is this affecting me? Why does it hit me like that? And most people don't want to look into that because no they're probably going, you're probably going to get triggered. Um, And if you don't then know what to do with that, that's very scary. And I completely get that, which is why I do what I do, which is why I'm coaching people. Because if I can be that mirror and be a 
loving mirror and say, hey, you are human. That is why this, you know, X, Y, and Z triggered you to feel A, B, and C. It's okay. Then they're like, wait, so I'm not screwed up. And I'm like, no, you're a human. And that's what it boils down to. We are expected to be superhuman Mm -hmm. in these jobs. We are held in such high esteem and we put on these uniforms and we think that they're capes and, and, you know, shields Shields. of armor and and it's not, it's just not. And I think my, my goal is for people to put down the emotional armor that they wear and put on a new kind of armor that's just built with humanity and honesty and, you know, self-compassion because you can't really have compassion for somebody else unless you have that for yourself. Oh, right. People will people will fight me on this, but you don't know true compassion unless you have it for yourself first. And, and that's where it boils down to is just making sure that we know we're human. Agreed. So one last topic, and then we have to wrap up. Uh, you hit the, when, when you were just referred to, you know, somebody feeling like there's something wrong with them. This is something I get all the time. And, and I don't know if you can speak to it. I would love to get your perspective on it is I've had folks come up to me after I've done a PTSD session or they've listened to a podcast like this and they've reached out. And the question is, I don't feel that. I don't feel triggered. I don't feel bad. I don't, I don't feel like I'm sitting in my head all day. Is there something wrong with me? And my response, this is how I respond. And please enlighten me if you feel differently is my response is, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you because you're not feeling the same things that we're feeling. Whatever you're feeling in the midst of a traumatic event or a serious event is is how you're going to process it. But I feel like they might have two things in place. Number one, they might have a good support system and no risk factors that are, you know, I have a history of risk factors. If you look at the risk factors for PTSD, I am like the poster child. There's a lot of risk factors there. That's another whole show. Uh, But (laughs) <laughs> and there were there were times in my life that I didn't have support. I didn't have people that I could talk to. I didn't have tools in my toolbox. So of course it was going to come bubbling out of the surface. So what I do think is that that person who isn't feeling some type of way has all of these things in place, may not have the risk factors. And then the flip side, they just might not have hit the point where their bamboo came through the surface, right? Hmm. It might all be under there. Do you have anything to add to that when folks are like, is there something wrong with me that I'm not feeling triggered and affected? So two things I would say. And so this is like four possible responses or outcomes for whoever's asking that or thinking that is the first one. It it could be that they maybe are so overloaded that they've completely disconnected um, because you can't selectively disconnect. You can't just selectively numb out and say, Love I'm that. Only gonna Love numb that, yeah. My, yeah, I can't just numb my my pain and my sadness and still have happy and joyful. When you unplug, it's a full system shutdown. Um, so that is one possibility. Yeah. But the other option here is it's also okay to be okay. Love it. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes we, we say, so often it's okay to not be okay, but it's also okay to be okay. Not everybody's going to be triggered or affected by every critical incident or, you know, thing that a call that happens. And 
So if you're not affected, everybody receives things differently based on their previous experiences, the the filter that they have built. And there's a, a huge, huge list of normal reactions to trauma because trauma is an abnormal situation. And so just about anything that you could imagine is a normal reaction. And that includes being okay. Yeah, I love that. I I truly love that. AK, this conversation has been amazing. I am so glad that our paths cross. I don't think this is going to be the last time that we have conversations. I would love to work with you on some stuff. My brain is already like already running in some places that, that I would love to work with you on, but thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Thank you for the enlightenment you gave me. And I know you gave to some of my listeners and I would love for folks to be able to find you uh, other than on TikTok. uh, but do me a favor, give folks how they can find you and connect with you and the mission that you're on. Yeah, the easiest way is uh, the website, lifesaverwellness.com. All my social media is linked up on there. There's little forms that you can fill out if you want more information on the coaching or the agency trainings. Um, I'm not just confined to Ohio. I, you know, depending on the the situation, I might be willing to travel or do some stuff over uh, over the interwebs. So, but uh, Lifesaver Wellness is, you know, the easiest place. place to start. So, yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you again for what you're doing. I appreciate you. I know there's a lot of folks out there that appreciate you and I'm spending lots of time in Cincinnati these days. So uh, I hope, I hope our paths can cross sometime when I'm in Ohio. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having this platform and and the work that you do. I think that um, we're on a meaningful mission here and uh, I I can't wait for it to break ground. I agree. Like that bamboo shoot. (laughs) Welcome back, heroes. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please like and follow me on all On Scene First social media so you too can keep up with my shenanigans. And make sure you get to know our friends over at NGA Next Generation Advance. You can start by heading over to their social media and thanking them for being our premier sponsor. Remember, stay safe, stay strong, and stay here. We need you.